0: This is Rock Talk
1: with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And uh, what could be better than a Tuesday morning with some pirate metal? Uh, Before we get over to Ailstorm, do check out loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch to get all your Mitch merch. And uh, of course, if you want to donate to the show, uh, PayPal is MitchMinute at com. And with that, I feel like I'm going to rob you like pirates. So here is uh, the one, the only, Ailstorm. Aye, mateys. Oh, I can't believe I just did that. Here's Alestorm. We are speaking with Alestorm's uh, Christopher Bowes. Uh, Chris, uh, the band is on tour, coming to Montreal, Quebec, and other great places. Uh, as we say here in Montreal, bonjour, comment allez-vous?
0: I'm great. How's it going? <laughs>
1: yeah, good, right? <laughs> as you can tell, my French is completely dreadful, and, but, you know, I, I get the idea. But you get the idea. Yeah, so so all yeah. right, let, let, let us talk about pirate metal, because uh, you have played in and around Montreal for, for many years, and it is always a great event. In fact, here you're playing at the m and for people listening around the world, you think, oh, well, that's a small little bar. No, it's not a small little bar. It's 2,500 people. Uh, it's <laughs> which, big, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it, which is big, and it's it's amazing. So so talk to me about this, because you, you look at the concept, you look at the songs, and you say, there's no way in God's, in God's green earth that this is supposed to work, and yet it works. And it grows, and the fans love it. So let's talk Ailstorm, Let's talk its origins, and let's talk this tour. So
0: yeah, it's, um, I, it's the whole thing of I don't know how it gets so popular. It's just it's pretty crazy the amount of people that come to our shows. You know, it's I, something about Montreal, and obviously, it's I guess it's Montreal has often a very sort of European style. And base like they always seem to like the kind of bands that are big in europe and i guess that does because you know in north america no one no one really likes us i mean we get by you know we do all right a few hundred people come to the shows but when we get to um uh, quebec and stuff it just it's it's like we're playing some crazy festival in the middle of a field in europe and millions of people come to see us so it's i don't know if it's just fun catchy sing-along music that does it or you know it's maybe our sense of humor just transcends borders but it's I
1: love it. Yeah. Well, of course, and your your Twitter doesn't help. I mean, on your Twitter it says uh, "shit band no fans." <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: we 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 take a sort of a that sort of attitude to things. You know, we're, we're not very uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously. I'm sure you can realize. I
1: can realize. All right, it, so go ahead. All right, or don't go ahead. I'll go ahead. Oh, wait, hello. No, no Yeah, you, you go. You go ahead. You go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, all right. So, so talk to me about this concept because you know you're you're sort of sitting around uh you know school when you're younger and you and you're you're putting together heavy metal pirates and how do you sort of get this concept that w- w- in the modern day world of technology and all this that we are going to have a band sing almost uniquely about pirates
0: it, you know it was it was totally accidental um we just you know like we started as a band as a bunch of teenagers in high school and i just wrote a song about pirates one day you know i was writing songs about whatever you know like Ninjas, space battles, pirates, Satan, you know, anything that's cool, you know. And at the time, i am you know, well, I'm still a bit of a dork, like video games. I really enjoyed this pirate video game called, like, Sid Meier's Pirates. And I love that stuff. I knew it, the whole pirate thing I thought was cool. So I just wrote a song. And then, you know, we go to the rehearsal and we just play the song. And then we realize, hey, pirates are kind of fun. Let's just always sing about pirates. <laughs> and it all just kind of... Fired out of control from there, and you know it, it was never, a, like I say, it was never a conscious decision to go. You know, people will love it if we sing about pirates and stuff. Yeah, it just it just happened, and you know, so we don't really understand. <laughs> but you know, we're very happy about it, just singing songs about pirates. But it's, that's kind of part of the reason why we don't take the whole pirate thing too seriously, because you know it was never something that was a, uh, you know, a deep down spiritual connection or anything. We just thought, oh, cool, pirates are fun. Um, so which I don't know, sometimes it backfires and people get um, they get a bit sad when we don't take piracy as seriously as they do. Like, you know, you get guys in these fully really authentic 17th century costumes coming to the shows and saying, oh, matey, Chris, let's hornswoggle some booty off the poop deck. And I was like, Nah, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, it's just that, really.
1: So, so you mean you don't have your Facebook set to pirate language because you can do that, you know? Yeah, you,
0: you, you know how many times a week we get people saying, "Hey guys, do you have your Facebook set to pirate? You know, you should try that." Well, wow. like,
1: no, we don't. No. No, we don't. But all right, so let's get it a little more serious though. In terms of of the band musically, cuz you do have this unique thing that you've created. Do you at some point feel that you're you're sort of trapped in it and you would like to get out there and, and just do something that's I don't know, more cerebral, more, more rock and roll, more metal, or are you just saying, hey, this is our gig? We're just going to stick with our gig. Or, or do you want to be, and I'm not saying you're not serious musicians, but you know what I'm <coughs> saying is, do you want to be sort of more Metallica-ish or more, you know, Rolling Stone-ish or Leonard Cohen-ish? Oh, and-
0: well, that's the thing, you know, what, what did Metallica even sing about? I mean, you look at their lyrics, it's just stuff. Like, if you ask someone, what is Metallica's lyrical themes? It's probably just darkness, hate uh emotions like I don't even know what that is you know it's I'm not a very uh you know I don't I've, I've tried in the past to write you know I'm gonna write a cerebral serious song about my feelings and stuff and I've sat down and I've got absolutely no idea what to do I'm like I don't really have these sort of feelings about stuff I just want to write dumb songs about pirates and stories and it's it's kind of nice having the restriction of having to make everything fit into pirates it's 'Cause once once you give yourself restrictions, it almost like it opens up creativity because you you know, once you've once you've got the constraints set, everything else can just flow and go in crazy places. And it's good because you know we can write a song that's anything, any style, like it doesn't have to be a folky metal song. We've got a lot of stuff that's a lot more sort of thrashy, crazy, sort of you know, punky songs, some just basically pop songs. But as long as we hook it back into pirates somehow, people seem to accept it and go, Yep, that's an storm song, it's about pirates. So it's kind of liberating in a way, just being able to do what the hell we want. But as long as the song somehow comes back to a ship or drinking rum or a guy with a
1: wooden leg, it's it's all good. Those are the great three themes that you learn about in in music school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No Grave But The Sea is, of course, the name of the tour and also the last album, which came out in 2017. Where are you in terms of getting the next new one out there? And how important is it to get a next new one out there?
0: Yeah, I think we've sort of reached this point in the career, in our career where it's like, yeah, an album every three years sounds about right. You know, we don't want to be one of these bands that's turning out an album every 12 months because, you know, I know when I was younger and used to go to a lot of shows, I would go and see bands that I liked. But, you know, obviously back then the Internet wasn't so pervasive in downloading stuff and getting a hold of media. And I'd go to these shows and it turns out they've released like an album or two albums since I last saw them that I hadn't heard. And then the whole set list and all these new songs, and I just go, Oh, I don't know these songs. That sucks. So it, it's, you know, we try and and obviously the whole part of the Hillstorm show is a lot of sing along from the audience. So it's, you know, it's, we want people to be very, very familiar with our music. So, you know, we're not so much into playing unreleased material or weird, rare B side tracks. But anyway, going back to the whole thing is, you know, it's, we think for every three years is probably fine for an album. So on that note, we are going to the studio in January we've got an album that's ninety-seven and a half percent completed just got to write a few more riffs here and there to finish off one song literally one song and we're going to record it in january and it's going to come out early summer and
1: yep the whole thing will happen all over again tours and videos and nonsense and albums and festivals and party it never ends which is great um quickly talk to me a little bit about your experience here in Montreal you have played heavy montreal which is which is our great festival um talk to me about that and some of the crowd reaction for for heavy because it it really is unique and and hopefully it will continue into the 2020s yeah
0: that's it's um it's, it's such an amazing festival heavy montreal because it's you know there's, there's a lot of you know people try put on things like metal festivals in america and canada and so on that they don't quite hit the mark for some reason. You just don't get that right feeling. But like Heavy Montreal, it has that it has that sort of same feeling you get at all these great big you know famous festivals from like France and Germany, like you know Gra- like Grass Pop and Hellfest and wacken and stuff. All these you know big famous international metal festivals. There's a certain vibe you get there, and I feel like at Heavy Montreal you do get that sort of same vibe. Like this is a big party and there's all this cool stuff going on. So I, I really loved the, the two times we have been there, and it's. Just a really nice festival, like especially when you know the weather's usually pretty good. It's, the place is nice, the people are beautiful. It's a it's a fun place to be, and the crowds go crazy for uh, for us at least. So it you know always makes us happy to go there. Yeah, it,
1: it, so
0: yeah, I really, yeah, I really hope it does continue. And like maybe if that same concept could ex- expand to more festivals across you know USA and Canada, it would be great.
1: You know, well, and it's a perfect festival for you because it's on an island, so you could probably just you know boat it in. But oh, uh, boy. yeah, right. <laughs> um, real quick, in terms of imagery, uh, talk to me about the importance of the imagery, because uh, yes, it is a pirate thing, but how important is the visual aspect to your show? When you look at an Alice Cooper or a Kiss or a David Bowie, it really sort of enhanced the music. How how conscious of you are our visual presentation?
0: Yeah, um, our live show is strange, I suppose. Uh, again, it's not what you'd think for Brandon that about pirates, because we have a giant Eight foot tall inflatable duck in the middle of the stage, which uh, has absolutely nothing to do with anything. We just thought it'd be funny one day, and it's kind of stuck with us as this giant duck. And we, and so that is basically the Alistair show is just us being on stage playing our playing our asses off, running around having a great time with a giant duck behind us, and people seem to absolutely love it. You know, we've thought times, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we just I don't know, got this big complicated stage ship with all this like wooden stuff, and it looks like a ship. But at the end of the
1: day, I think people just prefer the giant duck. So <laughs> that's hailstorm now. Great, a great. We can do some duck, uh, duck stuff. Um, real quick, the band has also changed members over the years, and and there there is sort of that rotating door. Not not a huge one like a, like a kiss or something. But but talk to me about changing the members, and you know why do some leave and, and get these other ones in? In terms of, do they just don't fit they don't they don't dig the pirate thing anymore and just talk to me about what sort of keeps the band being Ailstorm.
0: well i think um well ever since 2015 that's the last time we did uh, a member change that's the band has been constant since then and that's you know we've been so i think we're very happy right now the lineup no one feels annoyed or unhappy everyone the main thing is everyone can play their instrument which is very exciting um i think we're, we're pretty stable now i mean everyone always says that but you know it's been four coming on five years. since we have ever changed a member, so I think we're doing good now. Uh, but yeah, like the early days of the band, I think the problem was you know, we sort of got too popular too quickly, and we went straight from being a local band who was playing a couple of shows in pubs to signing to international label and going on tours and festivals and things instantly. And it just you, know, it, it took off faster than anyone could have expected. And basically, a lot of the guys in the band, they weren't really cut out for that sort of lifestyle. Like that wasn't really what they wanted from their life, which is fair enough. It's not for everyone. It's a it's a pretty miserable existence a lot of the time, you know, getting on planes and buses and vans and just being very bored and then hungover 99% of the time and waiting for that, you know, one hour a night where you get to have a party. So it's um, obviously some people just didn't simply want that lifestyle. And, it you know, people quit the band or, you know. Also, some of us in the early days, we sucked. And our instruments that never helped so it's that's the main thing that's changed is the band has got we're a bit more talented now I think we can all play our stuff it gets it, a lot more professional and um everyone wants to be there which is the main thing you know it's it's everyone's happy with what they're doing everyone wants to be on this tour and make this stuff happen so it's a lot more stable in that respect
1: and all right so let me let me bring you back then to the beginning when you you, you put out uh, battle heart Terror on the Seas, but then you eventually get to the record company and you say, listen, we're going to do a, full, a full-length full record. Uh, we're going to do Captain Morgan's Revenge. Uh, talk to me about bringing that concept to a record company and having them, you know, having Napalm Records listen to you and go, uh, you're going to do what? Uh, how, how tough of a sell was it? Because, you know, to come in with a thrash album or a pop album, they go, oh, okay, we get it. But you're coming in with this new concept. Was it difficult to convince a record company to be on board? You know, um, like I say that, those demos you're talking about, we did them in the, the summer of 2006.
0: And we sort of did nothing with them for a year. But then in 2007, we thought, you know, we should probably do something. This band has potential. So I took the you know, the demos. I think it was just, uh, we had a MySpace link, because what we had, and I emailed that to uh, a guy at Napalm Records. Because I was like, oh, wow, Napalm Records, they've got all our favorite bands. Because right at that time, they had a, uh, they had Korpiklani, they had Tear, they had a couple of these, you know, the sort of the, the big names in folk metal, a lot of them are on Napalm Records. It's like, well, that's our sort of target audience. So we sent this uh, demo, like a link to our MySpace saying, hi, this is our band. Are you interested? And we literally, literally got a reply within 24 hours saying, yes, we want to sign you. And obviously at the time, I didn't really know how anything worked in the music industry, so I assumed that was normal. I thought every band got a reply in 24 hours saying yes, we'll sign you. So I just thought the whole thing was easy. It just happened, you know. There was they they obviously saw the potential in what was going to happen with this band. They, they they understood that you know we were onto something there with our shitty three track home recorded demo, and um, yeah, they they just gave us the deal and a whole pile of money and said go crazy, make an album. And we thought okay, I guess this is how music works, but obviously it's not. I've since learned that that's not the usual course of action for most bands, and usually it's a, it's a long, hard struggle to get anywhere. So, uh, yeah, we had no idea what we were doing, and this shit just sort of falls in our laps. We're like, okay.
1: That, that's amazing, because it really is not how the... I mean, people spend... <laughs> they they spend decades sending, sending in demos, and nothing goes in. So talk to me a little bit about, about that recording process of the first one. So, so, so you get the deal. They say, yeah, we want to sign you. And then you must have gone... Oh shit! Now what? Uh, talk to me about yeah. that time and, and the, the now what?
0: Yeah, so we had that, and then um, our guitar player at the time, Gavin, he knew this guy called Lasse, some German dude who produced his albums. And we're like, "Hey, this guy—he's a friend of ours. He—he'll—he'll he'll do the production, whatever. He's going to do it for like literally pennies. It was you know, you know, sub minimum wage type money we were paying this guy to this album. And they were like, "Okay, he'll do the album, sure." So um, we go to the studio. Um, and it's me and, uh, our guitar player, Gavin go over there. Um, our drummer Ian wasn't actually good enough to play the songs. So we had to get a session drummer to going back to that thing where, you know, we're saying we weren't very good. We got a session drummer to play the drums on the album because he couldn't play them. Um, I think our producer played the bass because our basses wasn't very good and also couldn't make it to the studio. Um, we, the, the song was only half finished when we got there. Uh, I'd never really sung before on record and we were playing in, in this studio while our producer, he was, it was still under construction. Like it was bare concrete floors. We were sleeping on like on the concrete in sleeping bags. It was, it was the most ramshackle thing ever. But obviously at the time I thought it was the most amazing thing because you, they, this is a record label, had flown us to Germany to this guy's place to professionally record my out. We were like, wow, we're in the future. And you, know, the whole thing kind of sucked. I mean, I'm, I was never that happy with the final recording just because, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. You know, my vocals were very bad because we had a session drummer who had never heard the songs. He was just literally being told, okay, here's the tempo of the song, play a beat. And he was playing stuff and we were just sort of splicing this whole record together. And it was, it was absolute chaos. And um, all the keyboards sounded weird and cheap because we didn't, at that time, we couldn't afford to get real people to play them. So it was all just like cheap MIDI instruments and things. And, Yes, somehow, again, somehow it took off and people loved it, even though I thought it was a pretty awful album. But, you know, I have no taste. So, yeah.
1: It's just amazing because, I mean, again, you you hear the story of this album and you're thinking, this is the band that should just not have succeeded. You should have just (laughs) imploded uh, before it even got off the ground. And yet, and I'm speaking from the Montreal perspective, like I said, at Heavy Montreal and and m and other places, it is packed. People are laughing. People are smiling. People are singing along. They're dressing up like pirates. It it really is an event. I mean, it's not just a show. It's an event. Um, Quickly then, uh, No Grave But the Sea, of course, was uh, the last one. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about that one. And and moving forward with the new one, which we've already talked about, other than the pirate uh, themes... Musically, do you want to do something different? Do you want to try new recording style, new new drum style, new thrash metal style? Like, do you want to musically change what you're doing
0: a little bit? Well, um, well, you see, this so we always like to move forward with things. This time, we're recording it in Thailand because we can. Thought we we'd go somewhere nice and warm to make it because it's January. Um, there's a we've got some new ideas in here. I've got I've got a couple of friends to help me write some songs and really, you know get some new new ideas into the mix. We're gonna have a few guest vocalists and instrumentalists, uh some famous, some completely unknown. Uh there's uh there's probably gonna be a couple of songs that uh will make people go, what the fuck is this? You know, we've definitely gone very experimental on a couple of songs and you know it could backfire people might call us sellouts. We'll see. Um and we have all, there's also gonna be a sequel to uh, a part two of a song from one of our previous albums and it'll be it's absolutely the song you would least expect us to write a sequel for so uh there's a lot of but we're still going to keep the classic hailstorm sound you know but there's going to be some new things and some very surprising things and i think it's going to be a lot
1: of fun is it part two to fucked with an anchor <laughs> no, it's almost as unlikely as that because <laughs> that would be a good part too but it, anyway, it's just it's just amazing. Uh, you know, congratulations on all the success. Because even just listening to you say we're going to do something experimental, you're like experimental pirate man. Me- what the fuck? But it's great. It 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 is just it's 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 great. I love it. I, I love the whole thing you know, continued success. Looking forward to seeing you in Montreal. It it is just the most brilliant thing ever. And uh, Chris, uh, as we say here, merci beaucoup. And I'll translate for you. That's a, thank you very much.
0: (laughs) That much I could get. Okay.
1: okay, Well, let's do that again. Uh, Then merci beaucoup. Um, But uh, no, it's going to, it's going to be great. And, and I, and I just, I love that. I love that a band like yours is successful because we need fun in rock and we need fun in metal and we just need fun in life. And Ailstorm if, if anything, it's fun, you know.
0: That's that's the main thing. It's We're here to have fun. Uh, and Thank you very much. I'll see you in uh, Montreal, I hope.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's going to be great. And tell us. Merci, monsieur. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk.